the same right now. <laughs> <laughs> we love these shirts. <laughs> okay, we're live. Hi guys, welcome to day one of the EC method. I woke up so excited today, like just for life, but also for everyone starting. It's sunny, it's Monday. I'm happy. We've yeah, got many, many questions. I feel like when I I can't, when I come back to London, like, don't get me wrong, like, I love, you know, I love living where I live with James, but when I come back to London, I always wake up with such a pep in my step, and I'm like, I'm home, it feels so good, and then I come downstairs, and I see my dad, I just feel like a teenager again, I'm like, hi, dad, <laughs> so nice. So cute. Okay, um, right, so, we ready for question one? Ready. Okay. Linda Romeo, measuring food. Just say I'm cooking a stir fry. I, I would weigh each food item to get calories each. But then when you cook it and put it all together, as you do with stir fries, how would I then figure out the calories? How, how exact does it need to be? Cheers. So that's a great question. Uh, there's a couple of options. If you're using like a stir fry packet, you can just scan it on my fitness pal. So you have half of it, you put in half the packet. Done. Um, and then same with the chicken like typically it'll be anywhere between I don't know like chicken breast berry um but I would say cook it cook it raw and make sure that you put it put input the raw weight because it will weigh less once it's cooked so you just have to search for like raw cooked when it comes to um protein sources um and I would say it's and if you're making the vegetables from scratch yourself you really don't need to be too pedantic you could just literally probably put in like mixed peppers weigh how much it is and then just track that we do want you tracking vegetables because they do have calories, but we absolutely don't need you to be like weighing out every piece of pepper and bean sprout that you put in your stir fry. Like that's ridiculous. We're not interested in that. A lot of the time I'll just put in like a mixed salad for, I don't know, something. And usually it'll be anywhere between 50 and 100 calories. And that's kind of it, really. Emma, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think so if you're I'm just elaborating on this like if you're cooking for like your whole family and you're making a stir fry or like whatever you're making it doesn't really matter what it is it doesn't need to be that exact so if there's four of you and you're dividing it roughly by four it doesn't really matter like if one person got slightly more chicken than the other like that kind of stuff really pretty irrelevant there are so many inaccuracies that come with tracking that you don't need to be that accurate you just need to be consistent with it so I wouldn't overstress about like weighing your stir fry after you've cooked it and making sure that you've had exactly X amount like that really doesn't matter. The real benefit that you get from tracking is accountability, is being more mindful of what you're eating, is caloric awareness of foods and just, yeah, that's basically it. But essentially you don't need to track things down to like the five calories or, or just be like too worried about little tiny things like that. However, saying that, I think sometimes you can let things slip a little bit too much. Like it's the whole thing of, oh, you know, one won't hurt or like not tracking this won't hurt. And, and then actually when you're in that mindset of one won't hurt, then it ends up one won't hurt all the time, which means it's more than one. So one does hurt, if that makes sense. So yeah. like, you know, when someone in the staff room is like, just have a biscuit one won't hurt and it's like yeah one won't hurt in isolation of course it won't it's completely irrelevant but if every time you go into the staff room and someone's like one won't hurt you're like oh yeah one won't hurt of course that will impact so it's more the mindset of that than the action per se the staff room you know the staff room what do they call it i i haven't worked in so long like you know in a job <laughs> I feel like staff rooms are just at school, or is that completely? <laughs> yeah, actually, maybe that's right. What do people call that? The, the staff room. Yeah, but like outside, of, outside, outside of school, what do people call it? The office. I mean, I don't. Know. In yeah, TV, like, it's the office the bit room. where you where you eat the canteen. Yeah, I suppose maybe it would be staff room. All I know that doesn't I sound right, TV, does actually, it? I, I don't. Why do they call it the green room? Should I get my dad in here and ask him? <laughs> dad! Why is it the green room? I don't know, but that's basically what I spent my whole life when I was working in TV, trying to make annoying celebrities feel important. <laughs> okay. Elizabeth Evans. Oh my God, the apparently 1600- they call it now, sorry, breakout areas. Like, breakout instead area. of the staff room, it's a breakout area. That sounds like a very fun room. Mm. okay 
Look how long the wick is on this candle. <laughs> that is a very odd wick to candle ratio. I think they might have got that wrong. Odd. Okay, right. For the 1600 calories on the MyFitnessPal app, how uh, should I set up the protein fat carb split? So guys, we did talk about this in the uh, Welcome Live, the Setting Your Goals Live. Emma has pinned it to the top of the page, so please watch it. We want you having a minimum of 100 grams of protein, a minimum of 40 grams of fat, and the rest of your calories can be made up from carbs. When I say minimum, I do mean those are the minimums and none of you are allowed to go below that. But however, if you want to have more protein, like I would say anywhere up to like 140 grams, that's enough if you're a woman. More fat, so maybe one gram per kg, of lean body mass i'm happy with that and the rest carbs you can really split it up uh, however you're going to be able to adhere and enjoy your diet the most okay catherine hello what adjustment to calories should i make for breastfeeding emma do you want to take that one yeah i think i'd add at least uh 10 to whatever you were gonna be on before so, like, if you're like, oh, I should be on 1,800 calories given the information in the video that we did, then maybe be on closer to 1,980, so 2,000-ish calories. Um, yeah, I would I would add on a little bit. And again, we'll just monitor and adapt as required. So don't, like, also, I will say that if you're someone who is either, who needs to adapt their calories a bit more, so you're not, you know, I don't like the word generic person but like general Joe looking to lose weight with almost no other factors going on just stick to those calories for at least two weeks if you're breastfeeding or something and you're worried tag us straight away or if you're doing a hell of a lot of endurance exercise and you feel like you're not fueling yourself well enough again tag us straight away um, but everyone else stick to it for two weeks before you do anything and the thing is like I think people get a little bit or I don't know, like, even if you do something quote-unquote wrong for two weeks, like, you're not, if you have fat to lose, you're certainly not going to starve in two weeks on 1,600 calories, even if we need to potentially move that up a little bit. So, yeah, try and stick to things for two weeks first. Yeah, and remember, if you are breastfeeding as well, not only do you need to monitor, like, you know, your weight, so whatever the goal would be, you also need to monitor your milk, just keep an eye on it. Um, I, so, this okay. is just how little I know about breastfeeding right and I always say that I'm like we need to make sure the quality of your milk is high enough what does that mean <laughs> like, like you just said there like just make sure you're monitoring no. your milk how do you know it it, it can dry up so it, it like literally like like a well you don't have enough if you're not fueling your body you don't have enough calories seriously yeah, it can no, dry no, up. I know it, I get... I've had clients before be like I cut my I've stopped like I can't breastfeed right and I'm like okay we need to bring your calories up okay right no I I get that and I've like I know that but I thought you meant like quality of no, you, can't, you can't monitor the quality of your breast milk what do you do put it in a DP dish and get <laughs> well I don't know maybe because why are we saying quality not quantity I didn't say quality <laughs> I said monitor your milk as in if you're finding it harder and harder to breastfeed lactate <laughs> wait wait no way. <laughs> okay. Let's move on from breastfeeding. Okay. <laughs> Which Emma and I have never done, in case anyone was confused. <laughs> uh, okay, Katie. Recently diagnosed with pre-diabetes and PCOS. I've not had a lot of guidance in terms of nutrition other than cut down on carbs. I've researched, but different websites give different advice or opinions on good and bad carbs for insulin and sugar. Any advice on this much appreciated. So I'm going to let Emma take this one because this is her kind of forte in a way, Emma. It really, so this really depends on the situation you're in a little bit. So if you're diabetic because you're storing a lot of body fat, the key thing is losing that body fat and getting lean. Like whether you do that on a high carb diet or a low carb diet, it's the body fat loss that is causing the diabetes yep. in that situation and then when you lose that you'll become much more insulin sensitive and that kind of alleviates the problem so it's been shown that i think it's losing five percent of your body weight normally is it five or ten but anyway that normally reverses type 2 diabetes in a lot of people um but i've got a feeling i already spoke to you and you're already quite lean so that isn't the causal thing there so like it's a slightly different 
situation. I would say that you could try a lower carb diet. Um, and, and I would just cut out starchy carbs. So like I'd still eat fruit and veg. I wouldn't worry about the carbs and fruit and veg as such, but I would just cut out things like bread, pasta, or reduce those um, to a larger extent. It was going to make it quite easy for you to hit a deficit, really, because that's a, for most people, the vast majority of where their calories are coming from is carbs. So if you're cutting those down drastically, that could be quite a good thing. It's also not that bad being low carb in summer, I think, because it's just like big salads and stuff. And yeah. Um, but if you're being active as well, that's going to have a huge impact. So being active, again, like all of the things that are really important for people with PCOS and type 2 diabetes or or type 1 diabetes are really important to everyone. They're just like heightened in those conditions. So for example, like resistance training, your biggest site of glucose disposal is your muscle. So if you can build more muscle mass, you can tolerate more glucose. So you've got more safe space to store glucose. And if you're muscles are sensitive i.e insulin sensitive then they're much more capable to taking glucose as well so if you're actively using those and building those then that's a massive benefit but again it's not that that benefit is for everyone not just diabetics it's just even more important for you the only extra thing that i would suggest is postprandial walking which is a very fancy way of just saying go for a walk after your meals basically or I think one of the problems is what usually happens is most of us have our biggest meal in the evening our biggest glucose load and then we sit down in front of the tv and don't move whereas Mm -hmm. if you can have your big meal go out for a nice little walk and then you can sit down in front of the tv but it's just getting getting you moving post um meal which will really help with postprandial glucose control so like your glucose control after eating so yeah those would be my suggestions but yeah do give us a tag if you need and like let us know what medications you're on if you are on any uh because that might influence things as well a little bit yeah i would like to see a photo of you as well because that could influence the extreme the extremities of the advice that we give you if i'm honest i don't want that to sound bad but it's just true um but also, yeah, on the walking after meals, any of you that can be bothered to do that or are here because you have real health goals or longevity of life goals, do it. Just 10 minute walking after a meal is like, like as Emma said, with in terms of insulin response, but also things like digestion. So good for you. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's good for everyone to do. But especially if you struggle with managing your glucose levels. The other thing is it doesn't necessarily have to be a walk. It could be OK. I'm gonna clean the kitchen now or like I'm gonna you just have to move it doesn't matter how like as Chloe was saying in the last live like steps are steps movement is movement your body doesn't know if you're going out on a walk or if you're walking around the house tidying up or doing things like just make sure you're not immediately just sitting down on the couch after a massive glucose load yeah (laughs) glucode okay (laughs) <laughs> do we weigh in every day and tell you what do we enter into my pt hub app how many questions are too many questions um yeah we as we said in the last live we want you guys weighing in every day and then taking your lowest weekly weight and we want you if you, you we want you to track it not us and if you if it's not trending down after two or three weeks you're staying stable or it's trending up obviously you need to tell us tell us all your data what calories you're on steps workouts everything and then we can make some adjustments for you but it's for you to monitor and you we, we don't need you guys to check in unless it's unless you're it's not going the right direction that's when we need you to come to us so we can help you everything's going perfect we had this a lot in the last round i don't know why it randomly started happening i think it was ollie i think it was just ollie does it sometimes like loads of people were like doing great absolutely on track like sending these like really extensive check-ins and we're like you're, you're great you're everything's working keep going so you know you will you will know if it's working or not so that, yeah it's we not, also do can't... the self-assessments every sunday which is really important so a lot of what you're getting and this is true even for like when we do one-to-one clients is your check-in is essentially you checking in with yourself and a lot of the time all you get back from or all you need back from your coaches yeah that's great keep going and you can sort of like with the right prompts i.e the right questions that we ask you you can sort of check in with yourself and that's really useful as well so i would definitely do the self-assessments they get posted in the group every sunday um and if you can't find them it's the same link every week so 
don't stress about finding it each week um but yeah it gets posted every sunday just as a bit of a reminder to you but you can just like save that link in your phone or something and check in that way yeah it's a really good thing to do for you guys to keep on track and know what you're doing okay emma i have a problem with my pt hub because i've used it before with commit to six and another pt it isn't showing any ec method workouts or info thank you michelle has put under it there are three bars of the top left hand corner of the app click on workouts and there should be a list there yeah again guys any my pt hub questions take it to the grads because emma and i don't know yeah no, <laughs> like that say, does that does sound i might like i might need to change your email address our side so shoot me a dm and i'll look into that but this does happen quite a lot that if you've used the same email address before it tries to link to your old profile or something so we might have to change your email address but that's fine just shoot me a message okay. oh wait well can i just ask this question because joe is she says hello gorgeous and wise ones i'm sneaking in while at my desk but can't stay long I don't have time to add in cardio after home-weighted workouts. I'm thinking of adding two runs a week, maybe 30 to 40 minutes on the mornings when I'm not resistance training. Would that be enough to compensate? Yeah, absolutely. You don't, yeah, you don't need to do the cardio unless, like I say, I say this all the time, like our, our variables, if you guys um, want to speed up your fat loss or your fat loss has been stored for a minute and you don't want to lower your calories, then our variables variables are expenditure. So adding to steps and or adding some uh, cardio post-workout. But if you're heading in the right direction, which I'm pretty sure you are, babe, at least from what I can remember from your final uh, April checking you are, you we don't you don't need to be adding cardio. You're fine. But yeah, also, yeah, if you want to go for a run once, twice, three times a week, so that's absolutely brilliant. That's great. Um, any more questions on the live? No, we're all good. Okay, I'm still a bit confused about the workouts. I'll be doing home weights. There are only two workouts on the app. To do three workouts a week, is it best to do two upper body or two lower body or whatever we prefer? Say, read the welcome pack, number one. Number two, read the details tab at the top of the workouts. And I tell you exactly what I want you to do. Ideally, you'd be doing both upper body and lower body twice a week, never back to back. Um, but I also, uh, but yeah, if you, if you have like, oh, if your, if your focus is mainly whether it's performance or aesthetic, improving your lower body or upper body, and you have to do like an uneven amount of sessions, obviously focus on the area that you want to improve on. Oh, and on that uh, note, someone asked for like a bit of a tester. Cause you know how I've done like testing for the gym workouts so as the yeah. tester session, there's a high rep workout where it's basically how quickly you can do 60 reps of each exercise. So I want you to do that, record the time, and then come back and do it at week four, come back and do it at week eight. And so you'll see the progress and that'll be really motivating for you, I think, especially as like that's a really hard workout and a lot of the time people struggle just to finish it. And then by the end of the eight weeks, they're like, huh, it's not even that hard. So yeah, try that. Okay. Um, we had a couple questions, but we've basically covered them about, so if I hit my calories and my protein, then can I eat whatever I want? That kind of thing about three times. And we've basically done it. So let's move on to the next one. Nikki. Hi, firstly, I love you guys. And I'm so excited to be back for a second round. My goal is to develop my legs so that I can crack walnuts. I exaggerate but you get the picture. My question is around my confidence with weight training. Generally, I've progressed well with weights at home, but I have a pretty good setup. However, I found that I'm quite nervous increasing my back squat, especially for proper, brackets, deep squats. I'm quite happy with halfway Harriets. Last week, I started to do box squats with higher weights on a bench and lowering the bench to try to improve my confidence. I just wanted to check if this is sensible. I read something about box squats not being good for form or if I just need to woman up and crack on. Thank you. So I would say start going as deep as you can. Because look, I, I'm fine with you guys doing like partial like movements. Like they're, they're good for many reasons. But like for, if, for example, if you want to like really, really grow your glutes, it is fair to say like the deeper you squat the more bang for your buck you're going to get in terms of your muscle stimulus. you want to crack walnuts, um, I, then... Did she say she wanted to crack a walnut? Yeah. Well, she's going to have to squat then. Yeah. I w And I would say, like, 
I would say go as deep as you can with the weight that you're comfortable with. And then, yeah, be confident. You can squat deep with that weight. Add on another two kg. Like it's just about building up your confidence. Um, Emma, what do you think about that? I would quite like to see a video of you squatting just to make sure form's okay. But that that will also give like both of us confidence. So we can be like, yes, you're perfect. Push heavier. Or no, there's some like little tweaks we need to make. But once we've seen it and we're confident with it, then you can be confident with it because you're like, yeah, okay, this is exactly what it should look like. I'm doing everything right. Um, so yeah, that would be great if you could put a little video up of that. Good, good advice. Catherine, help. How do I stop the cravings for something sweet after a meal? Thank you. I really like to have something sweet after a meal if I'm craving it so I'll do like like, it's really simple I'll do like 80 grams of halo top ice cream which is like super low calorie they've got a new one out called gooey brownie and it's fucking good not all of their ice creams are good I would I'm sorry vegans but I'd really stay clear of the vegan ones are like frozen (laughs) ice like this is shit but the the non-vegan ones some of them are fucking brilliant and like I say 80 grams of halo top is extremely low calorie you're talking under 100 calories it's really nice and it's like a good big scoop of ice cream um I used to have this habit as well which I've gotten out of weirdly now but I should probably start doing it again because it's amazing like chopping a grenade protein bar in half and microwaving it after like two meals of my day it's just it's just like another hit of protein after the meal and uh it's really yummy um but also I would say that I find with dieting if I do tend to like cut out the sweet stuff after a week or two I don't crave it it's really interesting it just completely like rewires it Emma what do you think yeah, that is really interesting. So one, you could just have something sweet, like, a, you know, whatever you want, but be that ice cream, half grenade bar, or like a Kit Kat is like, what, 90 calories or something. Whatever it is you fancy, yeah. just have a little bit of it. Or as Chloe's saying, you can cut it out. And I would say, yeah, after about a week or two, you start not really to crave it anymore. And so what we know from research as well is that your taste slightly changes when you diet. Uh, and things taste so much better like even vegetables start to taste like incredible and it's partly because we eat such highly palatable foods that are one we're really used to things that taste like so so sweet so like normal sweetness we can't even really taste anymore like natural sweetness from fruit and stuff but because we're so used to like artificial levels of sweetness so we become more sensitive to that um, and also eating a lot of, in fact, I think it was to do with fat cells. I can't take an inflammation. But anyway, some of your taste buds like die off on a, in like an obesogenic diet. So that bec- you become more sensitive to that as well. And your taste buds become more sensitive. So yeah, that, that would be something to consider. I think you'll notice that when you start dieting as well. That's why the first two weeks can be quite hard because one, you're craving a bit. Two, you haven't seen results yet. And you're just getting into stuff and stuff maybe doesn't taste that good yet. But actually after about two weeks, you're like, oh my God, this food actually, like I can taste how good vegetables taste. Like then it becomes a little bit easier. Um, That's we're always trying to straddle a line between saying to people like don't have an all or nothing mentality if you want to have something that you want to have you're going to be able to like adhere to this diet if you allow for that but then there's also times where I'm like just like you might find if you just say goodbye to it put it away that you get you can get on with it a lot easier and you're in a weird way you're like more invested in the process in a way and it depends it depends on the client it depends on exactly what we're talking about but all things for all of you to think about do you think that we've almost got like a little bit brainwashed within like b- like pushing balance so much and like I don't know I was thinking about this the other day that I'll get a lot of comments being like how do you manage to stay so lean and I'm like actually as like a human ra- like it's actually more quote-unquote normal for the human race to stay in a fairly lean body like that's how we're meant to be right we weren't meant to carry a lot of body fat but now like the new normal is to be overweight like most of the uk are on average overweight so that seems Mm -hmm. normal but it's the environment that's Mm -hmm. the problem right because we've spoken about this before but if you just sort of let yourself live in an obesogenic environment without considering a few things or making like creating your own environment within that effectively then you probably will end up overweight if you're eating like in an intuitive way 
Yeah. But it's just interesting that that's like become the norm now. When I was like, no, you've got to have balance. You've got to, you know, like allow yourself chocolate and things. It's like, what if you just changed your mindset around that instead of like, I have to allow myself these things. Like I feel like balance almost gets pushed on people. And what, who's to say that's balance as well? Like, I um I've re- I've really struggled with it in recent years, and it's only working with you, Emma, have I found my balance with my coaching approach to it. Uh, we all know, right, the all or nothing mentality basically means that you kind of suffer and torture yourself through your diet, and then inevitably something happens. There's a celebration, or you drink too much, or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you fall headfirst in the fuck it bucket, and you can't stop right? We've all seen it happen. So it's like, okay, how do we avoid that happening? You know, how do we make sure that on route with your diet, you actually do have some respite, you know, a day where you can go to your favorite restaurant and order whatever you want from the menu, you know, because this is important. Like this is really, this is living your life. But then you come back and you get right back on it. Like how do we break up your diet with these moments and while we still get you to your goal? But then I 100% agree. That's kind of now been more ambassadized into balance you know you can have a little bit of what you like every day you can do like and I'm like actually for a lot of clients and this is just speaking from experience that trips them up like that pulls them out of their focus and trips them up so it's really tricky it's definitely the hardest part of our job I think and I also think it comes down to the client as well there are some clients who really need to kind of start to think like that and actually there are some clients I really do just want to say fucking cut it out if it's going to throw you off track don't do it like it's not that hard like I said like someone asked me about drinking last night how do I do it and train and still stay in my calories I'm like I have one night a week which I sometimes don't even take where I'm like oh I'm gonna go out that night and I'll allot calories for that night usually 500 that's enough to get me pretty pissed <laughs> and I'm like and then I and then I carry on with my life and like why I think yeah we're kind of encouraging this like I don't know yeah it's 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 interesting and it it's is frustrating, interesting I like think, I, someone asked me yesterday like how much do you drink a week and I was like I don't drink and I've had loads of questions since being like why don't you drink blah blah blah, blah. and I'm like to me it's just another like it's another social norm that offers me nothing like same reason yeah. I don't have a house and 2.5 kids like or and a car that I don't want like I don't fall prey to that stuff because it doesn't bring me joy. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, alcohol doesn't do anything for me. Right. I'm not against it. And I don't really not drink. I can just count on like one hand, the amount of times I've been drunk in the last five years. Like it doesn't do anything for me. So I don't do it frequently, but I'm not massively against it. But it is interesting that we, there's just, I just think there's so many like social norms that people do and they're like, I don't, this doesn't do anything for me. And actually it's detrimental to me, but I feel like I should. So I'm going to do it. A hundred percent. Like, and, and it's, I agree with you, you know, it's not normal. It's not normal that we can literally just cross the road and go and spend a few pounds on a shit ton of hyper palatable, extremely unhealthy food and we can do it whenever we want and of course it's now become normal like it is just normal and this is what Emma and I always say when you're a kid your parents parent you they're like you know you can have this you can't have that okay you, know, you can have that and then you can have that like your parents make sure that you have some kind of health right when you grow up that's gone it's you like you have to parent yourself and and I know like I you know I do drink and I like and that's an Emma doesn't that's completely fine but you have to parent yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. And then you fall into this like victim mentality of like, oh, everything's so hard. And it's like, no, you're doing a good thing for yourself and your body. You're always in charge. It's always your choice. But this is your body and you care about your health. It's not, oh, my God, this is awful. It's, oh, my God, I'm taking care of myself. This is important. This is a good thing to do. It's And th- this is why Emma and I have to constantly work with like, everybody's mental approach to it because that's the hardest thing. Okay. Do you think, so given it's literally only been maybe the last hundred odd years where we've kind of had to restrict in order to not become overweight and now there's this whole pushback of like you shouldn't have to like restriction is like a bad word in health and fitness because it's like diet culture restriction blah 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 that and we're certainly not for diet culture but I think the pushback is like when you can actually take a step out of this and get some perspective and just be like actually because of the environment we live in now like some restriction is probably required when you because we've never had this level of abundance ever like as humans of course we need restriction 
And now it's like, oh, yeah. but restriction will cause poor mental health. No, not necessarily. Not if it's done in the right way. Not if it's done like, yeah, I don't know. There inevitably will people that be there inevitably will be people that it does cause problems for. But it's just interesting that we're so against it when you sort of look at it from like a bigger picture perspective. Just because now we live it with so much abundance. But anyway, that's probably a topic for another day. It doesn't help that we've got like doctors going on TV (laughs) saying that being essentially being healthy and taking care of your body is like self-hatred. It's like, wow, you're in the wrong profession. Yeah. Thanks. And that's massively worrying because obviously like there's huge um, respect given to doctors, of course. Like we see, we look up to them to tell us how to be healthy, basically. And when there's like really confusing messages, like don't diet, it's bad for you that's yeah anyway right morning i've always walked a lot and never really enjoyed exercise my muscles are very weak slash non-existent i'm also very inflexible touching my knees is as far as i can go how much improvement can i expect if i do two to three workouts a week you will see incredible improvement because you're starting from a place of not having done much exercise you will see like Chloe's laughing because she's like I wish I had newbie gains but you're gonna see ridiculous levels of improvement so that's very exciting for you so yes get going with that we're very jealous yeah (laughs) hello ladies Cami here I for the life of me can't nail a press up I get to the bottom titties practically touching the floor (laughs) and my triceps don't have the power to fire me back up would you mind checking my form to provide tips I keep, I keep saying my tits are too heavy. Yeah, babe, I've got the same problem, really. Like, just, actually, just weigh me down. Um, yeah, we can definitely check your form. <laughs> Not your tits. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm holding my... I'm wearing a really, like, push-up gym bra, and I actually look like I've got big tits today, and I love it. I don't. <laughs> you do look like you've got big tits today i do sometimes my boobs change shape on like a daily basis i swear to god i have days i'm like my boobs look really big today huh what cup size are you well it depends if i'm lean i'm probably i'm probably a big b and if i'm if i'm definitely not lean i'm probably like a b Probably like a small D. My boobs like fluctuate. I swear just like on a daily basis. Sometimes I have big boobs, sometimes I have no boobs. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> okay. That's where I store right. all my water. Um, <laughs> Chloe Maisley, you can eat just a quarter tub of Halo or half a protein bar. You are goals. And also why you look like you do and I look like I do. <laughs> well, that's moderation for you, darling. But it's like, no, but the, the, you have to reframe how you think of it. So I'm like, oh, I can have something sweet now. But I, I can, but it, but I, I'm still doing, I'm still on my goal. Like, it's a positive thing. It's a really positive thing. Not like, oh, I can't just have that much. I'll have everything and now I'm off track with my goal. It's like, you have to reframe it. Like, this is actually like a, this is, this is a good thing. Like, you, you get to have something sweet. Like, it's all about perspective i think it is that's such a good Um, example of like cup being half full or half empty isn't it like instead like some people will see that and be like oh i can only have a half a protein bar and then someone else will be like oh great i can have half a protein bar yeah you've got to reframe it perspective is everything and don't get me wrong i'm a negative nancy i have to work on it this is like a lot of work for me emma will tell you like (laughs) i'm super negative and like she's super poly positive but but I, I check myself, I know it, and I work on it, and it really does help. Like, and it's, I say this all the time as well. It's like this, there's this whole obviously Instagram thing of like, just be positive, and everyone's like, oh, now I've seen that meme, I'm gonna be really happy and positive. <laughs> no, it's a constant work in progress. Like, you're never done. Yeah, and there's also, always that assumption as well that like people are just like innately positive. Like, oh, she's such a positive person. I'm like, yeah, because I freaking work on it all the time. Obviously, like it's not. I think some people think that with um, being in shape as well. They're like, well, you're just lucky you're in shape. Really? Am I really <laughs> lucky that actually I live in a way that allows me to stay in shape? It's not luck. Yeah, um, but- 
that's yeah like like I say the other night I obviously went out and then the next day like got right back on it didn't train I didn't train a night a day after drinking because that's just stupid but I immediately was like okay well, I need to get my steps in I don't have my dog with me <laughs> so upsetting um so I was like okay so I just walked an hour to my local high street picked up an iced coffee and walked back and it's like like this, these are important things to do, like to take care of yourself and you have to reframe how you see it. Like it's a beautiful thing and you're lucky as well if you even have the option to do these things. I was just thinking of you, like the worst excuse ever. Like, yeah, I was going to go for a walk, but I didn't have my dog with me. So just <laughs> couldn't get my steps in that day, unfortunately. True. It's the first time since I got my dog, when, I, when did I get him? November. It's the first time that I've had to think oh, I actually have to find a reason to go for a walk now. Like, I can't just grab Bertie and go. Like, he needs walking. He's fucking insane. So like, I'll go get a nice coffee. It was a really sunny day. And I don't want to be inside, like, hungover when it's a really sunny day. Like, you have to find your reasons and, and go. What's your why? Uh, what's your why? Right, I'm so excited to start. I decided to write down some of our go-to foods to be ready for supermarket shops. Do I need to look at my saturated fats? Thank you. No, I'm I'm not bothered about how much saturated fat you're getting as long as you're getting good good fats in your diet. Um, so things like oily fish, amazing. Um, nuts, like that kind of thing, like just nice sources of fat. Other than that, I don't care. Emma, what are, you, what are your thoughts on saturated fats? Yeah, I agree. So I think with a lot of these things, it might seem like we're quite blasé, but the reason is if you're hitting the targets we've given you you actually don't have that much room to get like we could be like yeah eat as much mcdonald's as you want as long as you hit our targets that's going to leave you very little room for mcdonald's do you know what i mean like because if you're getting in five or six fruit and veg a day you're eating protein like lean protein with every meal and you're hitting your healthy fat target it doesn't actually leave you that much to eat quote-unquote junk so if you hit those targets first, then what you do with the rest, we almost don't care. Like it's it's preference. It's up to you. you you're probably going to be fuller and fuel your performance better if you make choices like bulking out your meals a bit, having some good carbs in there, like having some whole grains in there um, than, I don't know, having a Kit Kat. But if that helps you stick to your diet and enjoy your diet more and feel like you're not quote-unquote on a diet or feeling massively restricted then that's the best choice for you and long term it's probably not going to make much difference anyway yeah okay emma hayward hi newbie here i've piled on the weight since my mum was ill over the last two years and even more so since losing her in january i'm very sorry for your loss emma so now my main goals are aren't weight related but to be happier, have more purpose, have more confidence, etc. Et However, I'd like to have a weight goal, a goal weight as a quantitative measurement. What is realistically achievable in eight weeks? 5% or 10%? I'm not expecting to hit my overall weight, overall goal weight in just eight weeks, but I don't know how to find a middle ground between motivational or setting myself up for failure. So this is great. And I think for, for people who are coming in at a very high weight, it is absolutely fair that we set you small achievable realistic goal targets on route what we don't want to do is have an end goal weight in mind um it, believe me it might sound motivating initially but quite quickly it can become um almost oppressive so what i would say is why don't we aim and, and people lose body fat at different rates for different reasons and it's completely unpredictable emma we cannot tell you how much you can expect to lose on x week or y day it's never going to happen what we can say is why don't we hope that every two to four weeks we drop anywhere between 0.5 to 1 kg. Let's aim for that, right? Anywhere in that bracket is fine. Two to four weeks, 0.5 to 1 kg. And let's hope that this is going to keep you on track and keep you consistent and not feel over, as overwhelming as being like, I want to hit 70 kg, which I don't know where you are. You don't say, but that might be quite extreme, quite an extreme goal for you right now. Um, I like to chip away at it, chip, chip, chip away and kind of have new things to aim for every kind of fortnight or month. Emma, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I echo that it's a very hard thing to do. And one of the biggest factors in the rate of fat loss is how much fat you have left to lose, which is quite a hard way to measure things. Or like, I, I think what's more useful than saying something like one pound per week, which is often something that people go off, is 
a percentage of your body weight so some people use one percent of your body weight a week that's that's still quite high to be fair so even like 0.5 to one percent of your body weight a week probably a good marker to go for if you're trying to think of something that should be ticking along like if you want to know roughly the rate at which you could lose fat but there's so many factors that come into that and the other thing you have to remember is that even if you're losing one percent of your body fat or your body weight in fat a week that won't show up on the scales every week like that you'll still be weeks where you're heavier despite the fact you've lost fat like they're not sensitive enough to measure that so that's something to bear in mind as well when we're talking about yeah on average you might be able to lose one pound of fat a week it doesn't mean that you're going to lose one pound on the scales a week in fact that's very very rare for that to happen only ever seen it in men that lose that consistently every single week there's three boxes to tick and i know i'm going to see like a linear weekly loss it's a man who's never dieted before (laughs) who has a lot of body fat to lose and when when i get that client and i have one now my one-to-one clients when i get that client i'm like oh this is going to be so much fun because not fun for me i don't give a shit what these girls say but it keeps the client motivated and unfortunately i've never seen it with a woman who especially women who have dieted before who have a dieting history and especially women who don't all come in with a lot to lose but it can happen but emma's right it's it's pretty it's pretty um ridiculous to expect to see a loss on the scale every week yeah yeah i think that you do often come into trouble as well when you're someone's used to seeing that every week and then at some point inevitably as you don't have as much body fat to lose that stops happening and you're like that was my sole measure of progress So even when that is happening, we're really focused on progress pictures, on measurements, on your performance, on how you feel, on your energy levels. Like it's always important, even if you are seeing the scales drop down. Honey P. One honey P. Um, I've got some questions here. Do you want me to go for a few? Yeah, go for them. Okay. I like something sweet after a meal too and implemented a tip from Emma last round at 7 slash 8 p.m have a cup of tea and a chocolate biscuit bar and make that the last thing that you have i then clean my teeth and stop wanting to eat more yeah i think this is a great tip just because like initially that can be quite hard to do like we tend to overeat in the evening that's when we often overeat so if you can do something that stops you mindlessly eating after dinner and especially when you're on a diet or you're watching what you eat you generally normally quite good during the day like yep i know i'm doing at breakfast high motivation lunch is cool because i'm at work and then i have a really nice dinner and then i sit down and then i start snacking on things and that's where you go off track so if you can almost just set yourself a rule of okay after dinner i have a little bit of something i like and then that's it for the day and then tomorrow, whatever, I can I can eat whatever I want. Like, that's normally how I bargain with myself. If I want something in the evening and I've already had enough that day, I'm normally like, cool, if you still want it in the morning, you have it in the morning. That, that takes the restriction away. It's just very unlikely that I wake up and want a chocolate bar first thing in the morning. So it works quite well. Um, so that's, that's a good tip. Uh, Vicky Knox, any tips on increasing hydration? I generally manage two litres of water a day but red we should push to three to four no you don't no 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 but guys i'm more than happy if you guys are feeling happy and hydrated and you're drinking your water you absolutely don't need to be hitting three to four liters a day what i will say though is if you are training like five six days a week the sun is also out you know it's hot right now like oh my god my sessions are so sweaty um and you are not drinking enough water i want you to start to increase it really slowly like don't go balls to the wall like now i'm going to start drinking three liters look what you currently drink at and aim to add 0.5 liters and then see how you feel but go off how you feel if you feel hydrated and happy i'm i'm more than happy with that um that's just really for people who really aren't drinking enough water and all of a sudden start training really hard it's not ideal like you know we, we need to make sure that you are hydrated agreed especially any any more in the line Yes. Uh, Tash. Hi, I've posted this question elsewhere, but not sure if I've done it right. So apologies if it's already been on your list to answer. We might have got it on the other list, but that's cool. I've seen, oh, I've seen the starting point of 1600 calories. I'm 61 kilograms and five foot two. And I'm not sure if I need my calorie start point to be lower because of my height. No. 
so it's really done on your total mass rather than how tall you are so your basal metabolic rate i.e how many calories you need just to stay alive is more to do with how much mass you have in total rather than how tall you are so although like being shorter and weighing more probably means you have more body fat to lose that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to change your calories so 1600 calories for you is absolutely perfect to start with we might adapt later any more strategically planning my upper body today because i've my second vaccine and know my arms will be out of commission until thursday great work fiona okay now we're up to up Mm -hmm. to date on the live okay okay so i had a light light bulb moment a few weeks ago thanks to emma's the weekend is 40 (coughs) percent excuse me of your week post and it really shifted my mindset to try to use the weekends as extra time to be active eat well and cut drinking from five days a week um, to a one occasion a week. But I still anticipate one meal a week where I have less control over food, dinner parties, etc., and I will drink. Is the best way to manage this just to accept that as part of my process, limit it as much as I can, e.g. drink slow and don't eat pointless starter bread, but accept it as a decision that I'm happily making that will slow down my results. Or should I try for super active weekends, extra steps, or slightly lower calories the other 95% of the week? Thank you. So, really, this is kind of what we've kind of been touching on the whole live, really. If you have a goal, then you have to accept that going to a dinner party is fine. But, yeah, you need to look at your weekly average calories. You need to plan that you can have more calories on that day because it's a dinner party, so it's not in your control what's being given whereas if you're in a restaurant you can absolutely eat in a restaurant on your deficit calories 100% I do it all the time all the time and it's it's something that really kind of irritates me a bit when people are like well I'm going out to eat so I need to raise my calories it's like no you can stay in your calories and order goal appropriate meals enjoy the luxury of the fact that you can afford to go out the fact that restaurants are finally open again someone else is cooking for you going out for a meal is a wonderful thing you don't need to order everything on the menu like it's just stupid but I do agree that if someone else is cooking for you then yeah, I would say put more calories on that day. Maybe ask them. It doesn't need to be rude or controlling, but just say, hey, listen, like I'm tracking some flexible dieting, which is great because I can come to your party. Do you have an idea of what you might cook? And then like I always say, pre-track it, put it in so you have some boundaries and some parameters and, you know, a couple of glasses of wine instead of a bottle, like perfect. Um, And more calories on that day. Now, if you're going to say to me, fuck that, like I want to live my life. I want to go to my friend's dinner party, drink and eat the food then yeah, you're going to have to accept that your fat loss might will, will inevitably slow down, potentially store. But that's your choice, you're making it. And we could go in thinking like that and see what happens. Emma, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> so I think there's two ways to approach this. Well, there's numerous ways. But the way I see it is if, if that's happening once a week and you're not like literally seeing it as a, like a cheap meal and you're eating as much as possible, but you're just like going out and enjoying yourself once a week, and it's maybe, I don't know, 800 extra calories. As long as you roughly account for that, like, fine. That's absolutely fine. It's not, like, it's not a big deal at all. Like, I I go out maybe, or, like, I'll have a meal out or eat extra, whatever. like, once a week. I didn't really account for it massively because it's not very common. Whereas if you're doing this multiple times a week, then you need to be a lot more strict with yourself. Like, you probably should look at the menu before you go and try and find at least sometimes getting, like, the lowest cal- or like the healthier option that maybe isn't as calorically dense as the other options and things but if it's quite infrequent you can probably get away with more than what you think as long as like as chloe's mentioned before like you get straight back on track it doesn't then spiral into eating more and more and more and then getting home and eating more and then the next day not doing as much and not going to the gym because you think what what the hell's the point like if it's this like one meal in isolation once a week and you're not like stuffing your face, I really don't think it's gonna be a problem at all. The other thing I would suggest as well is like the mindset of like, is choosing your indulgences, so is this really worth it? And the the term I always use is, is it a fuck yes? Like, is it a fuck yes or is it a no? I normally use puck because I don't like swearing, but is it a puck yes or is it a no? So like, if you're looking at the dessert menu and you're kind of like, hmm, um i don't know which one i want you don't want it enough like if nothing's jumping out at you you don't want it enough it's not a puck yes so it's a no 
I kind of do that with like most things in life. Like if something's not like, hell yes, I absolutely want that. I want to do it. Then it's a no. It's not, it's probably not worth your energy. So I would consider that as well. I think that's really useful when it comes to dieting. It's like, <laughs> why are you laughing at me? No, because I'm laughing at your personal life. <laughs> it's yeah. not appropriate for you to share it on here. Yeah, we probably shouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, Emma really does live her life like that. It's savage. <laughs> really savage really hard to watch <laughs> but in the dieting concept uh very useful guys very useful yeah, yeah. okay moving on moving on yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> lol also isn't it funny like i'm the coach that like drinks and swears and emma's the coach that like doesn't drink doesn't swear like how did we come together? It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. like it's a good uh meeting in the middle. Yin and yang. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty consistent with my weight training. Will there be more advanced workouts for those that can? If so, assume adaptable for injuries. Uh Emma mentioned a physio. Is this is there something I'd be able to get access to when needed? Yeah, you at tag Samantha Heap. Again, read the welcome pack, it's in there. Now with the weight training and more advanced workouts emma do you want to take that i mean they're pretty the, the thing is you don't need more advanced workouts you, if they if you find those easy you're not lifting heavy enough is the answer to that like i mean i struggle they're really freaking hard workouts so i don't know anyone that like needs more than that it's basically that you're not putting in enough effort to the rep ranges there isn't i wouldn't even say like to like a can you hear that uh, outside? No. There's like a lawnmower Yeah, what outside. is that? Kind of. It's not It's not. Oh, okay. it's it's not jarring then. Um, it's just very distracting for me. Yeah, so basically you don't... <laughs> I wouldn't say you need harder workouts. Like, these are the same workouts Chloe and I do. Like, you just need to lift heavy enough weights. And to be honest, we would still get excellent results on a quote-unquote beginner's workout like three sets of 10 on a couple of different exercises if you're lifting heavy enough stimulates your muscle to grow and yeah yeah i think we often overcomplicate it but remember that exercise is a stimulus for growth you don't need to do anything like special or crazy basically what you're doing is you're putting stress on that muscle so that the next time it's under that stress it will better adapt that will better be able to deal with that that's how you adapt that's how you build your fitness that's how you build your strength so yeah there won't be um advanced workouts but you don't need advanced workouts and i would say they are quite advanced to be fair yeah what was the what was oh Eric someone's Hans just someone's just commented really made me saying... laugh. he was like huh? what was it he, oh eric helm said something recently that really made me laugh and he was oh yeah he said it's like his pet peeve when people are like oh i'm like an expert lifter he's like what the fuck is an expert lifter like, i don't know what that means i don't know what you're talking about he was like i'm not an expert lifter and like you know he's yeah. very helps <laughs> um no uh so when i wrote my transform your body with weights book i think i i made a big point in the beginning that everybody has to nail their form whether it's a pt or just filming yourself or just watching yourself in the mirror that was the first thing you had to do so the first kind of weighted workouts would be using things like doing like a goblet squat right instead of like a back squat right so that people could really kind of get used to lifting with added weight and watch their form. And then I went to the intermediate plan where, for example, it would be they were on the Smith machine. So they were getting used to that feeling of a bar in the back, squatting with that. And then the advanced plan, and this is exactly how Emma's programmed, like the gym workouts, is just squatting, deadlifting, you know, split squats, lunges. And that's really like, and as she said, even now, like I still, there are are fucking bodybuilders who are doing goblet squats, holding a kettlebell because they can get a better range of motion. even then, there's a place for like every lift in every plan for a different reason. Um, and yeah, there is there isn't really such a thing as an advanced workout. Really, it's how heavy do you lift and how much volume are you doing, and that will be reflective of how long you've been lifting. And that's about it. It's certainly not about the exercises. Yeah, and if anything, I think if you try and be like advanced, you're actually just wrecking your own progress. Because if you're like, I'm not gonna squat anymore. I'm gonna squat single leg on a bosu ball like that you're not going to be able to create the right loads like it just you're overcomplicating things for no reason the basics are the basics because they work 
like look at elite level athletes they yeah. still do squat bench deadlift like yeah um someone's just commented saying they did the pull gym session today and i'm a seasoned lifter i quite like that seasoned lifter not an expert seasoned. um it worked like a biatch i also really appreciate that sarah's asking um i'm going to the gym i'm going to do the strength test today but my gym doesn't have an assisted pull-up machine i definitely can't do them solo is there anything else i could do instead there is a note on that so it will say that you can either use a band or you can do lat pull so you can do something but guys just as a general like a general note make sure you read the notes on the workouts because i've written notes for most of them especially some of the rep mm. ranges i like to get like a bit weird with them so do read the note section to explain exactly what i want want you to do okay is that it on the live yes okay should we do one or two more yeah Okay. Uh, Michelle. Hi, Chloe and Emma. I'll be following the gym plan for my training. However, I'm currently only able to weight train three times per week. So out of the four gym workouts, which three should I choose or should I be doing full bodies every time? As my schedule normally means that I never do two gym sessions in a row anyway. Emma. Push, pull, legs. Rest days yep. in between, ideally. <laughs> Thinking about setting weight goals, and I've always gone far too low and never achieved it. Yeah, it's what we were saying about goal weights. Um, will you be setting my target weight for me? I'm thinking 68 kg is realistic. I'm currently in 69.9, but feel a bit skinny fat. Yeah, so let's aim for body recomp, and really the scales are, you know, absolutely secondary to that goal because it really it should just be like visual let's aim for body recomp and if you feel like you want to lose some fat why don't we start with it you're currently 69.9 69.5 kg in the next few weeks and then we do it one thing one thing at a time as, as we said you know yeah setting goal weights is typically backfires at some point even if it's great at first it eventually does backfire in my experience yeah and i mean you just simply don't know how you're gonna feel at 60 kilograms or 58 or whatever goal weight that you have like you don't know how you're gonna feel there so if you're at if you had a goal weight in your head of 60 kilograms but you're at 62 and you're like i fit in the jeans i want to fit into i feel really good i've got good life balance but you know i've not hit my goal so i better keep dieting that makes absolutely no sense so or even you might get to 60 and be like mm, actually i thought i would be done here but i've got a little bit of fat that i'd still like to lose fine like that's why we don't sit these like set these arbitrary goals because we don't know how you're going to look feel and perform at those goals so we'll just monitor and adapt as we go and then when you get to a stage where like the cost of losing more body fat outweighs the benefit for you then we stop and then we aim for maintenance yours okay last one Faye Brunt. Hi, ladies. I signed up to the ECC method. Then the next day, I sprained my ankle playing netball. I will be doing the home-weighted workouts. Any tips for adapting whilst my ankle is on the mend and what to do re, re- steps is I'm not sure I can hit 10,000 steps a day yet. Um, okay, so we this applies to all of you who are injured. We can't tell you what you can and can't do. We're not in your body. We're not like we don't know. You will be able to to know what you can and can't do. So I would say go through all the workouts, pick, pull up out the exercises where you're like I can do that I can't do that I can do that I can't do that and then create your own workout because you need you need to basically make it work for you um read the steps um look you sprained your ankle if you can't hit 10,000 steps a day yet then you can't hit 10,000 steps a day yet just um just smash those workouts I would say Emma what are your thoughts on that yeah agreed I mean if you can go swimming or something or do something else then great be as active as possible but hopefully it's just a short-term thing and actually if you're sensible and you don't try and hit 10,000 steps when you have pain still in your ankle then hopefully it'll only be a week or two and then you will be back to hitting your steps again so just try and have a long-term sensible view about that and reworkouts. like I'm massively limited in what I can do lower body as well so I mostly train upper body and you can get a freaking awesome upper body so yeah like try and focus on like the positives of what you can do you can you can do a hell of a lot on, on your upper body while you're recovering your ankle. Um, yeah. Just one more question on the live. With the home weight AMRAP, what is a reasonable number of reps to reach failure? In, in other words, 
how will I know if the weight I'm lifting is too low? So again, it's in the details tab, but ideally in a six to 15 rep range. We say this all the time, you can go up to 30 reps, but really I want you guys increasing your intensity, which is basically your weight lifted, your strength, as well as your volume. So I like uh, newbies, I think that you're, you're, you start on three sets, uh, six to 15 rep range and gradual on four sets. Um, but yeah, like I say, like Emma said before, if you feel like you want to switch up your reps and go lighter and do more, fine or go heavier and do the lower end, fine, switch it up. But for me personally, if you've got a physique goal, that's kind of the range I want you in. Yeah, I agree. And that that advice is only true for the home workouts where the weight that you have at home might be limited. With the gym workouts, yeah. I want you to stick to the rep ranges I've given. Like that's important. So stick to those. The aim is to sort of be reaching failure by the end of those sets. So that's the weight that you should be lifting. And that's the key as well, guys, is like we want you hitting failure as in that you cannot perform one more rep. Like that's that's really, really important. As, and also, especially again with physique goals, that's really important. And so is getting your protein in. Like these are things which we're not messing around with. Like if you're if you say to us, I want to look like that and you point at a physique model, we're not fucking around with lifting to failure and like training frequency. We do want you getting three to four sessions minimum and we're not fucking around with protein. These are your non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. Um yeah and just generally like on that point as well like we're starting today right you will get out what you put in here there's no cheating it there's you know it's fair if if it's anything it's fair you put in the effort you will get the results we're here to help you but yeah basically like I find that massively motivating because you're in control right but if you want to get a really impressive physique yes you will have to get in the gym at least four times a week yes you will have to focus on recovery yes you will have to get your protein in and really like if you if you don't want to put in that effort then that's absolutely fine but you won't get the same level of results yes agreed um my mom just got in the shower and it's like now very very loud I know we'll be back on Friday at uh, probably 11. The ch- the times might be a bit more scattered this round for any grads that are here just because lockdown's lifting, you know, work is starting up again. Um, so yeah, bear that in mind. Okay. 